0: Well, you know what, Dwayne, I want to welcome you on to the Sales Culture Podcast. Thank you for blocking off a Friday after you're kind of, you know, doing deals and you and you're running your own business. But thank you for your time this morning. This well, afternoon. you're welcome.
1: It's a pleasure to be here with you.
0: So, so you know, I'd love to kind of tap back into your origin story a little bit here. So tell people how you first got started in like sales. What was the first product or service that you were selling? Our business even?
1: Well, the first product that I was selling were a business telephone system.
0: Hmm.
1: And that was 100% commission. Oh, wow. But I wanna tell you, shall I tell you how I got into that? Please. Because I think that people can realize this. You know, a lot of salespeople end up in sales because they can't find satisfaction in any other job. So true, yep. And they're at a barbecue and their uncle Louie says Why don't you try sales until you figure out what you want to do with your life?
0: Yep, yep.
1: And I did it a little bit differently. I graduated from college with a degree in performing arts, Hmm. and I went down to New York City. I I, I graduated out of New Haven, Connecticut. When I moved down to New York City, I got a job with a with a professional theater company, a touring company. Their name was the New Globe Theater. Hmm. And now I, I'm in. The theater I'm in biz that's what I studied and after about two years I found it wasn't right for me and I didn't know what I was gonna do so I went back to my university and I took an interest inventory a personality inventory and sales came up very strong in it for me and at that point I said I'm not going to be a salesperson they're a bunch of liars and self-centered people <laughs> And this counselor was great. She said, you know what? You can be an honest person and help people in sales and do very well financially and have some freedom. She said, I think you should check it out. And she recommended a couple of books. Hmm. So I ended up reading these books and I found that what she said was true. You can be very helpful and extremely professional. And I decided to go into sales and I've been you know, fundamentally in it ever since. The reason I'm going back to that personality test is because there are a lot of people that are struggling with what should I do Mm -hmm. and those personality tests and interest inventories can really help someone point them in the right direction
0: you you know um that is a really good counselor because I remember going to my counselor when when I was confused and you know it took me on a whole different rabbit you know trail and of different career paths and 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 in my mind, I was always like, all right, I need to do physical therapy or I'm going to do sales and marketing. I didn't know what about sales and marketing, but my mom was in it. And I'm like, she's, you know, a killer saleswoman. And uh, I can just follow her footsteps or I'll do something that just kind of really interests me, which is like how to train the body and everything. So but but but, so talk about that personality test a little bit, if you don't mind, like um, what were some of the cues or, or, or things that your counselor saw in you as someone with an arts background and say, hey, you might want to think about sales?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think the fact that I'm service-oriented surfaced for sure. Um, and I was very, um, one of the reasons I left the theater is because I wanted to earn a earn a significant income.
0: Ah, yeah, yeah. The whole I mean, lifestyle works. play, yeah,
1: yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that came through as well. And in sales, if you really apply yourself, you can do very well financially. And also, my energy level was in line. My um, my appreciation of business, how companies make money and how they operate, you know, that came through. Um, and also, I think my tenacity—I'm—I'm not one to give up. And I think you put those things together, and I think you know it aligned with selling. I
0: have to ask you about a couple of those character traits. Um, one, definitely believe that—at uh, least one of my biggest hurdles was uh, just admitting that I wanted to make money. You know, like because it seems so, like negative, right? Like it's like, oh man, you're being greedy. You want to out here and try to you know take money from people that's what at least my that was my mentality for for a long time coming up until I admitted it and I was like you know I I do want to have a great lifestyle and I want to have a great earning and and I mean so if someone has that roadblock of hey I don't want to be the greedy guy or whatever their mental you know fix is about that's off of trying to produce top top earning I mean how do you kind of coach someone around that or do you or is it something that you just say hey this is not for you it <laughs> gotta you gotta walk away oh there's more
1: you're bringing up one of the most common and challenging issues in selling many of us were raised and this this includes myself by our parents saying you don't discuss finances with other people it's not it's right. not polite. Right.
0: Right.
1: You don't ask anyone what they earn. You don't ask how much their car costs. It's just impolite. Don't talk about money. Mm-hmm. That's how I was raised. And I was raised in a very middle class, probably below middle class. So we didn't have a lot of money. So I grew up thinking that $100 was a lot of money. Sure. So when I started selling phone systems, it could be $20,000, $30,000. I couldn't wrap my head around numbers that big. I had, it was a weakness that I had. Hmm. And I also was uncomfortable in business conversations saying, you know, hey, Joe, have you got a budget set aside for this phone system? You know, Joe, when you were thinking of getting a phone system, roughly how much money did you think it would cost? Have you gotten some other proposals, Joe? what are their prices? Those are business conversations, right? And I was very uncomfortable with that. And fortunately my first sales manager was amazing. His name was Gary. And, and he helped me. He said, Dwayne, you have to get over this. Okay. It's okay that you're uncomfortable with this, but you have to understand it's a barrier to your success, not just in business, but in life. Hmm. So you need to work through that fear. And you need to start having these conversations with people. And he said, I'm going to help you and we're going to role play. And he set aside time for me every week and we role played. I was the salesperson. He was the prospect. And he taught me how to have these discussions around money. And thank God he did. Because if he didn't, it would have stunted my growth. Money is good. Yeah. You know, it, it helps you provide education for your children. It helps you grow it helps you help other people we need you know the thing with selling is we can really help people and when we when we understand that and we fully accept that and we embrace it now it's a matter of i want to help as many people as i can right and oh guess what the money will come along with it you know you you talk you, you talk to people like oprah bill gates uh um i'm thinking of the guy that owns virgin airlines
0: oh yeah yeah yeah, richard branson
1: richard branson you talk about though you talk with those people and they will tell you that they never set out to make a lot of money hmm. they set out to do something they were passionate about and to help people and the money just started coming and the more people they helped the more money came in and i think that is the healthy and gratifying mindset to have in sales
0: it's really that duality, isn't it? Like you know, having that service mindset, but then also a performance-based mindset, and um, it's, it, mm-hmm. it's 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 a really unique characteristic to kind of developing people. It seems like I've had a chance to kind of coach up a couple of different sales guys, and you know, and and, and I'm right. learning to be like a better coach because that's a that's a skill set in itself, right? right? Yes. <laughs> uh And and finding people with both already developed is rare. Um, but finding per- people with um, one aspects and then helping them evolve is an actual process. But you also mentioned something that your counselor uh, pointed out about you, that you were tenacious. And yeah. um, I-, I think that has to be one of the biggest skill sets, because even to work through your fears and learn through your fears takes a certain level of grit. Right. So, I mean, yeah. how do you pull that out of people or how do you maybe try to find that in different you know, um, reps that you're possibly looking at trying to bring up and, and train up?
1: That's a great question. You, you ask really good questions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious. <laughs> I'm asking no, selfishly. Too, that's, that's a great question. So here's what I've learned. Everybody yeah. is motivated. Yeah. Everybody. Some people are motivated to sleep in until 10 o'clock in the morning. I love it. <laughs> some, people after work, some people after work are motivated to go drink a six-pack of beer and then go and watch Netflix until 11 o'clock
0: yeah
1: right that's motivation
0: absolutely takes work
1: (laughs) yeah I mean not that we all haven't done that but some people are motivated to do that every night um so our our job I think as a coach is to inspire people the first thing we have to do is is find out how are they motivated that's their personal internal flame we can't really put that in someone we can't motivate someone we can inspire them to take action in a way that is edifying to them, we can inspire them if they want to grow and learn to understand the areas that they can learn in, and then we ask them, "Would you like to learn this area? Would you like to grow, Would you like to strengthen in this area?" And if they're motivated to do that, then we can inspire them through helping them and talking with them and showing them the way and giving them great books to read and. And, and, and you know, and that sort of thing, um, you know, internal motivation uh, is personal and it's unique to every person.
0: Hmm. It's very true, it's very true. You know, it, 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 you're absolutely right about that because it, and it's timing I would imagine for that whole like, motivation as well you 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 catch someone after they made a big investment and they're motivated to kind of pay off their house or their car and and then they're ready to run you know (laughs) or or if you catch someone whenever they're like man you know they might have been a great salesperson five years ago now they're just like "Ah, i'm over (laughs) you you know um yeah yeah. we change absolutely and and, and, you know talk about change this is this is where this is where i really want to tap into a lot of your wisdom with this Times are changing. We're going through a really interesting shift throughout the world. We're doing this via Zoom. I love to have most of my podcasts in person, or you know, try to meet people somewhere once I'm out traveling. And I haven't traveled in months, so it's a, it's a brand new world, right? <laughs> and uh, t- how do you think sales is going to evolve with this changing times? What's your what's your thoughts with like, where where COVID's taking people, and maybe how um, buying habits may be shifting as well?
1: You know, the honest answer is, I don't know.
0: That's honest.
1: (laughs) You know, I mean, I I can kind of speculate, but but man, uh, you know, what I can tell you is over the last probably 15 years, the number of salespeople in America is steadily declining.
0: I didn't know that, wow.
1: Yeah, if you Google that and you do some research on that, you'll see, in fact, you can go to the center you can go to government websites and you'll see that the position of uh, selling there are fewer and fewer people in it and I think that's a couple of reasons and I'll try to tie this into your question number one anything that can be sold on the internet that's transactional in nature yep uh, that doesn't have a discovery and then a design and a build component things that don't have discovery design build, uh, I think they're going to be sold on the internet So therefore that takes reps away and buyers today are so much more educated and savvy. They don't want to deal with salespeople. They want to deal with someone that can establish an equal business stature, a peer to peer relationship and give them insights that are helpful to that prospect to achieve whatever it is they want. Those are the people they want to associate with. And that's another reason why the number of salespeople are going down because a larger volume of the sales are continuing to be made by fewer people who are fully embracing the consultative selling model. Right. There's a lot of salespeople that are not rising to the new level of professionalism and they're going to be eliminated from the system because they're not going to be viewed as someone that delivers value. So I think that is going to continue. Hmm. I think the use of these Zoom calls is going to continue. It's going to save people money from getting on airplanes. Mm-hmm. It's going to save... If the, the, a prospect is more willing to sit in their own office and talk with you on Zoom for 10, 15 minutes because they can get rid of you easily. Yep. If you're physically in their office, it's harder to get rid of the rep that you don't want to be with. Right. So I think that this technology is going to continue to be prevalent. Um, and beyond that, man, I don't really know.
0: Well, I mean, I think it brings up some great points. I mean, having these face to face meetings and just qualifying, this, this, is, this is a beautiful tool for that. I mean, on both sides of the fence, right? Like, as a salesperson, we save time from that. Wasting time with someone that doesn't really want to give us their time, you know, or whatever, not a good fit. Whatever the case may be, and then from the prospect standpoint as well, like like you said, getting people out the office, is, <laughs> that's a challenge. Because if I want to be there and I'm there, then I'm already in, <laughs> you know. Uh, but 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 trying to get me to leave um, is not hard. But for but for other people, I can see how that could totally be be like a real challenge for people. So um this idea so i just of, want i just please.
1: want to i want to comment on a word you used yes just now i think you nailed it the word is qualification hmm. using the tool to qualify the prospect and the prospect as you said is using the tool to qualify if in fact they want to spend any time with this rep
0: more i mean everything's becoming so much more efficient like the fact that zoom has been around i'm not even sure how long zoom's been around it's been around for a while I don't know. yeah i mean yeah. i i think we were talking about it previously is you know at least i've been using it for at least a year and a half almost two years but it's been here and google meeting has been here and there's other platforms that also do the exact same thing uh zoom kind of won the br- i feel like zoom's winning the whole branding move <laughs> you know uh but but, but not now it's being everything's being fast forward so you know when we think about uh skill sets that different salespeople really should be trying to bake into this, uh, you know, next year or so, or moving forward, really. What's some really big skills you think like a good salesperson should definitely embody? Is that going to change at all, or will those skills kind of be the same? But but let me kind of get you to answer the, the very first question as far as skills that salespeople ought to ought to be bringing to the table. One thing that I've learned in the
1: last five years which is a game changer for me is that only 40 percent of selling success is based on actual sales skills Hmm. sales i'll tell you what the other 60 is in a second yeah please stay tuned stay tuned but let me just point out sales skills what are they the ability to ask great questions yeah the ability to listen The ability to um, understand industries. Top salespeople today take a shotgun approach. They focus on specific industries and they study and they learn the trends and the issues that are going on in those industries. So that when they make contact, they're prepared to have an intelligent conversation. Those are some of the selling skills leaving a a, a poignant voicemail, writing an email that cuts to the chase, that provides value. Those are selling skills. The other 60% of success is between the reps' ears. It's Mm -hmm. what's up in their head. I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of reps, and the ones that are successful are wired in a certain way. They believe in themselves. They believe that they're helping they study they are tenacious they follow up following up is probably one of the most important skills because the day of the one call close is it, i mean there are some transactional products mm-hmm. mainly mainly their consumables and supplies that can be sold in one call but most other more complex b2b products it takes multiple visits and multiple conversations so that means that area 99 percent if not 100 of the sales are made in the follow-up process so many reps are making a mistake they're calling going hey joe it's leaving a voice. hey joe it's Dwayne cash and hey what i i sent you that proposal what do you think you like it give me a call back joe you don't I call back in three days, hey Joe, it's Dwayne, I left you a bunch of emails and and voicemails and you're not getting back to me. What's going on, Joe? Give me a call. Delivering no value whatsoever, becoming an annoyance, Mm -hmm. following up is an art and a science. Uh, So, you know, finishing up, the the mental DNA uh, is, is important. The issue of confidence, the ability to handle rejection the ability to control one's emotions, the ability, as you pointed out, to discuss money. Those are all functions of the mind and how we think. So when has their mental DNA squared away and they and they have the selling skills, those are the people that rise to the top and they really don't have a lot of competition.
0: I love that. I, I- I love that the most, honestly. And that whole art of the follow up is a skill that I mean, it, it really is an art form, too. I mean, it, it, it's, it's there's some technical pieces, but there's there, there is an art play that that is really interesting. I would love to get your thoughts a little bit more deeper about, you know, instead of jumping on the call and say, hey, do you like those numbers? Do you like the quote? Did you get it? We everybody knows that they got it because we got the email notification <laughs> right I, I mean so we i mean so we know that they got it but we're, but we're calling acting like we don't know that they got it like what's some different ideas or thoughts that maybe you would uh, teach your actual your actual team about about how to kind of follow up properly
1: well it all starts with understanding the buyer's compelling reason to buy uh, for example i have a lawn care company at and when, I, as a client, and when I started working with them, I asked the sales reps, this is, a very, this is one of America's most successful lawn care companies, privately held, wow. and they are really awesome, the company is amazing, the culture is so healthy, so I'm asking the reps, hey, what are, why do people buy lawn care, and they looked at me like it was kind of a silly question, well, Dwayne, they want a beautiful lawn, they want green grass. They don't want brown spots that's what they buy that's not what they buy right what they buy is they buy let's say they want to sell their house and right now if they put it for sale sign out they would get about 20 grand less for the house because the lawn is terrible so they're gonna write a check for lawn care to the right company because they got to get that lawn looking fantastic so they can sell the house for maximum value right Maybe they're an older couple that's been loving to take care of their lawn for many years, and now they're at an age where physically they can't do it, but they're still healthy and they still have pride in their lawn, so they want to maintain it, so they hire a professional lawn care company. Those are compelling reasons, and sales reps have to ask enough right questions to uncover with everyone they they talk with. They have to find out the why behind the why. Okay, now, when they find that, that tees up all kinds of great information that they can be sending via email and voicemail. I call Storyline Prospecting.
0: Storyline Prospecting.
1: Every call should have a piece of information. Joe, I, you know, I, I found this great article about how to prepare one's lawn when they're looking to sell their house. I thought I would send that to you. I look forward to talking with you about it. Hey Joe, Dwayne and I hope you enjoyed that article on how to prepare your house. Here's an article that talks about a, a, a percentage of increase in value that a beautiful lawn. The point is, if you focus on someone's compelling reason, you can go into Google and you can just find an enormous amount of great content. And now every phone call, every voicemail, email's got a sliver, a little slice, of information that shows the that this guy really cares. Yeah. This guy listened to me. Information is relevant to me. I really am beginning to like this guy. Next time he calls, I'm gonna talk with him, or I'm gonna shoot that him back in hell. I'm either gonna tell him, Dwayne, whoa man, you're doing a great job. I'm just not ready. Right. Or I'm gonna say, Dwayne, call me in 20 days, or Dwayne, let's on the calendar now the bottom line is by continuing to serve we will earn an honest answer from a reasonable person
0: 100 yeah you you know things it's so simple yeah yeah you know you know know what It's, it's it's really simple mindset but man it's profound though because a lot of the you know anxiety about asking for money and you know, going in for the clothes, quote unquote, or whatever makes you anxious about the sale, being turned down, rejection. If you come into it and you really understand where you fit in the marketplace and how you can best serve people, I mean, it's it's literally a total flip of the mind where a lot of that anxiety leaves you. You're like, hey, I'm just here trying to do the best I can do to help you out. And if if I'm not helping, I'm gone, right? You, you know, because I don't want to be a part of that conversation, <laughs> right? That's right so you know are people grasping this or or is it something that's kind of hard to kind of teach and hard for people to kind of understand hold on to I'm just curious about how reps are are taking this process in
1: when I said it's um, it is the concept is very simple yeah let's keep serving up information that's relevant to their compelling reason let's demonstrate our desire let's earn their respect the concept is simple the execution of it takes work yeah yeah the, i'm working with a couple right now to create the library the library for the storyline process and i call it storyline because when you're reading a good book and the character it, the characters are really believable and the conflict is like what's going to happen and you just can't stop reading it right that's a story mm-hmm. that's pulling you in I'm suggesting in our voicemails and emails that we learn their compelling reason and then we tell a story around their compelling reason. We point out first of all the benefits of embracing and then we point out the challenges and the consequences if they don't, if they don't take action and that pulls them in. That's why I call it storyline to build a library of content, articles, videos to build that takes time and one has to stick with it because it gets really tedious yeah and very few reps want want to do this because it's work but when the leader says we're going to do this yeah and the leader assigns mary you have it for next friday tony you go go get one video alice you go get a couple pieces of info on the competition When you divvy it up and everybody's contributing, they get involved, and you can build that library uh, fairly quickly. And now a representative becomes highly efficient. Remember, they're focused on a vertical market. Mm -hmm. All of this content is usable for any company in that vertical market. So now we're becoming really efficient while we're, we're raising the quality of the information. You put increased quantity of touches, increased quality together, and now you become a prospecting machine.
0: I love that, I love that. You know, and, and literally this is how, for a lot of companies I've worked with, it's taken me time to go through this process because normally I'm working with small shops and it's me and maybe one other guy that I hired down the line. But it's taken me, you're right, it is a, a process to build up that actual content. What's the what's the amount of time that you try to recommend that someone, you know, builds a, a pretty good inventory, I mean, um, of, like, content? Like, how much time do you think people ought to commit to it? Is it years? Is it months? Is it weeks? Like, just trying to give people, like, a proper outlook on, on what that would look like.
1: I think it's a couple months, you know. And the beauty of it is you can you can build it piece by piece by piece. Sure. If you, if, we res- if you go to Google and say, how many contacts does it take today to get a prospect's attention? Yeah. You'll see it's between 7 and 15. So I'm suggesting that we all have at least 7 touches. And a touch, by the way, has two components. It always starts with a phone call. Hmm. Always. Because after all, we want to get somebody on the phone. Right. So that's why it starts with a phone call and we're prepared with a voicemail. And the voicemail just talks about one point, one relevant learning point. In that voicemail, it's gotta be brief, we tell them that we're now gonna send an article, send a link to a video, and we tell them what the subject line is going to be for that email. So when they see that email coming, it increases the chances of them opening. They go, oh yeah. That was the. That's the email that that guy told me he was going to send. He sounded okay. I, I think I'll open it. It's not perfect, but it increases the odds. Now they open it and, it, and it ties right into the message on the voicemail. And the second one and the third, you have to have seven of those. Wow. They all link. Now, at, at the seventh one, what I do is I say, you know what, Bill or Joe, you haven't gotten back to me. And I don't, I'm not looking at that in a way, Joe. I'm guessing that you're just really busy. I'm going to stop for now. I'm going to wait a couple weeks, and then I'm going to contact you. And if in the meantime, I can be of help, please reach out to me. But thank you very much. And by the way, Joe, I hope you've been finding value in the information I've been giving you. My motivation is to help you. I look forward to talking with you, Joe. Right? And you'd be surprised how many people respond. They go, you know what? Hey, man, you, I'm sorry. You, you, that information was helpful. I'm just not ready. I'm not interested. Or call me in 20 days, or let's have a conversation. Isn't that what we want? We want to know where we stand.
0: Always, yep. I think so that's brilliant. that answer... Yeah, kind of yeah, I'm just sitting here trying to bite my tongue <laughs> because because honestly, I think that that whole storyline is brilliant. It's it, it's a brilliant way to go about it to have the multiple touches around the same well different channels. So you're touching them on over the phone and touching them over, over email, but the same yeah. message aligned. I haven't heard that one before. That's a good one be, yeah. be, because um, literally having them, you know, giving that prepping them basically for what's in the email is automatically I'm sure going to boost open rates and then it does and then now you are already two touches in on the same piece of information and so you're just right. locking you're just pretty much locking them in a little bit more so i love that process man love that workflow
1: and some and some of the voices were asking them a difficult question hmm. you know joe in the medical industry do you ever get frustrated that you can't capture anybody's attention because they're so busy yeah. if that's the case let's have a conversation because i have no ideas to get attention in the medical in- industry
0: you're asking questions in the voicemail
1: absolutely love it joe love it. have you ever thought nice. joe have you ever thought about have you ever thought about how much time you spend trying to reach people and what the percentage of return is hey it's Dwayne Cashin. i'm going to send you an email right now uh, with a link to the article that would give you some insight into that i really look forward with to to you joe I'm not leaving my. I'm not leaving my phone number because they're not going to call me. Right, right. If I've got their email, they already have my email. Yeah. I'm just going to keep giving them information, and I'm going to challenge them. And I want them to see. I, I want to talk to this person.
0: I love that. I, I I love everything about that. You know, because for one, it's coming from a position of power, and not like a, a position of neediness please call sir <laughs> you, you know, exactly, you know exactly. I, I need money help me <laughs> you know you're not coming yeah. that you're not coming with that tone you're coming as a guy that says hey i have information and if you're interested let's talk no pressure but this is this is what I've, i have going on and i'm helping people I'm, I'm here to serve right
1: let's talk about that just for a second because earlier we talked about 60 percent is what's up here yes You just highlighted one of the weaknesses, and that is a representative presenting themselves from a place of need. Yes. That's a mental and emotional weakness. Hmm. Our job is to give, our job is to help, is to serve. And along with that, sometimes we have to ask some tough questions. And if they're appropriate, and if we're polite about it, and if we built up enough familiarity yeah you don't ask the tough question in the first email or the second. you ask it around the fourth okay I think of it like you're making deposits into the bank account of the prospect, and when we've made enough deposits, we then can withdraw and that's asking a really tough question
0: yeah it is yeah it is I'm a fan of this I'm really a fan of this model, especially um this tough time our tough conversation topic um. Yeah. Because it's those conversations that have made and broke opportunities for me, you know, like level setting and being, um, having a clear conscience about what you're doing through and through is something that has been mandatory for me. Otherwise, it shows like I'll come from a weak position or desperate because because there's some cloudy judgment in there. But but when there's 100% clarity, I know what I'm doing. I know what I can provide. And I know that I don't want to overstep and try to mispromise or overpromise, underpromise, whatever. Um, those are the best conversations because then the tough calls are just—they're just tough calls, and that's it, you know. So tough times we're in right now. Um, and sorry for bouncing around here, but I've, I really All want right. to kind of pull this out of you uh, because once we were talking previously, you, you actually brought up how you built your business. I think it was back during um, '01, right, or during the. Oh, one downturn um, around the whole crisis and everything. Do you mind kind of sharing that story, talking about stories? I think this would be really good for the audience to hear because they might be feeling some very, very similar things you might have felt back then, if you don't mind.
1: Well, I was working at Sprint. I had an executive position run a sales organization. And I, and I got to the point where I wanted to do something on my own. I felt like I learned enough about business where I was ready to become an entrepreneur. Yeah and i didn't quite know what business i wanted to go in so i started doing research and i found these printing machines that print banners on vinyl and the machine is 16 feet wide and it can print a big banner 16 feet by 100 feet with no seam in it and i thought that was interesting and i started reading and learning about it i saw these things in nfl super bowls and I saw them at baseball fields and churches and and backdrops for Broadway shows and avenue banners and floor graphics and wrapping vehicles. I said, this is cool. I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. So I I got financing. I bought a machine that cost $750,000. I got 5,000 square foot of space to put this thing in. had to get a sewing machine. I had to get some computers. had to hire one employee. And um, I'm $900,000 in debt. My accountant you- told me, "Don't do this. You're gonna go bankrupt." Because my my bride Julie was a stay-at-home mom. I had two children under the age of ten. I mm. was the I was the only income. So the house was on the line, savings, everything I own. Wow. And God bless my wife. Man, she's always been behind me, and she said, "Do it. You you you're gonna do it. You're gonna do a good job, Dwayne." <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it everything I have. She goes, I know you will. Let's do it. Uh, I fired my accountant. Hmm. I said, you're very negative. You're not being supportive. We, uh, I don't even think you're qualified to be giving me advice uh, right now, frankly. So thanks a lot. I'll see you later. And I went ahead with it. And the first year was really brutal. It was brutal. And then we started to get some traction. And I ran that company uh, for nine years. Uh, put the first banner on Radio City Music New York City, wow. and banners at the uh, 2002 Winter Olympics. Did uh, big uh, backdrops for Broadway shows, all kinds of all kinds of stuff. And finally, I said, I'm going to go teach other people how to do this. And I sold the company, and I started my consulting firm. And I guess the thing that you know, I learned from it. My feeling was justified. If you understand the art and science of selling,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you have a market that has a need and you have a good quality product with a decent margin, You can be a success. You can you don't, you don't need that. You don't need to think about it forever. You can, you need, you need selling skills, people skills. You need a, you need a market that has a need, you need the equipment and the ability to deliver at a profitable level. If you've got those three things, you're good to go.
0: You're in business.
1: You, you know, you're good to go. It's gonna be it's gonna be rough.
0: Talk about that first year a little bit, if you don't mind disclosing a little bit of how that first year growth process was. Did you have sales systems in place by that point or, or, or were you or were you building them and developing them in that year one?
1: Well at that point I had been in selling and, and leadership for I think about 14 years.
0: Oh wow. Okay.
1: So I had a lot of experience and one of the things I learned at Sprint was process. Yeah. You know these these uh, Fortune 5 companies they're all about process and I learned a lot and I I began, you know, implementing. And and that's what it was. I was the sales guy. Mm-hmm. I was the, you know, president, I'm running it, I'm selling working seven days a week, you know the drill. And uh, yeah, man, we started getting tracked. You know, the first year was, was, the thing about the first year that was so brutal is we didn't know how to finish banners. In other words, when you sell a banner, a big banner, it might be going outside, it probably is. And you've got to deal with the wind. And we didn't know how to finish them with webbing all around. Promits and all that stuff. So we're making banners and giving them to customers, and the customers are calling the next day and going, "Dwayne, there was a rainstorm last night with wind. The banner is shredded. Mm. You guys don't know what you're doing." And I said, "Well, we are. We. I apologize. Uh, we obviously we didn't finish it properly. And I had to and I reprinted at no cost and finish it at no cost and deliver it at no cost and." Some of those early customers that we made mistakes with, because we took full responsibility, they became lifelong friends and customers. That's it, it cost me a lot of money.
0: That's one of those great lessons though. You know, I mean I mean, because obviously you already had the whole sales system in place because you had experience doing that. And a lot of the business like lots of the small business guys that I work with, they don't have that experience. They're just servants at heart, people in healthcare, right? But 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 they but they're looking to implement and build these and build these profitable clinics and mm-hmm. they don't have the actual process there so, so so you know I think being ready for anything that's gonna happen I, I think is a beautiful way and you taking that hit even I'm sure it was tough <laughs> but you made it out on the other side well yeah well so you know what the way we, we are about to wrap up but I want to hear about your business now tell me what projects you're working on and your actual agency um, because I think you're doing some really really cool work
1: well, I, I, get, I get most satisfaction from working with privately held companies, um, and um, I have uh, five clients now. that are all privately held companies. Uh, they're in different markets, different businesses, uh, and I help the leaders, the owners and presidents put the process in place that is right for their business in their market at this point in time. And those systems are how to hire, how to identify a, a good salesperson, how to onboard them, how to ramp them up, what quotas to give them, what KPIs to monitor, what commission plans should look like so that the company benefits and the rep is, is, is motivated by that. What um, uh, enablement tools to use such as CRM, um, talk about marketing, we talk about how to coach a rep. Uh, I help them put a playbook together, a sales and a sales management playbook, with all of these systems, and then I coach them in implementation, and then I'm out of there.
0: That's that's. A, I mean, those are those are the actual keys to actually winning on the field. Though I, I feel like, especially, um, I got to ask you about this one, and I know we're getting ready to kind of button things up, but coming up with the right comp plan and the right and, and, and the right. KPIs I feel like is is constantly evolving in sales and one of the one of the um, headaches that just comes with the job I feel like (laughs) you know you have to know that your comp plan is going to shift every every once in a while things are going to move and and you may kill it one way because you found a nice little hack to kind of win and then you have to you know things will be retooled um what's your thoughts on coming coming up with the right KPIs as well as finding a good commission structure that's going to keep everyone motivated
1: hmm well it starts out with the company being very clear on on their go to market plan hmm. are they going to stay within one market are they gonna two markets um, what are the products they're bringing out what are the margins of those products you know what's the sales cycle you figure all that out What does the company want to achieve and grow sales and in profit you get those numbers out in front of you. And then you look at what, what the salaries are and in, in that market, right? Cause you can, you can learn that. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of engineer the comp plan. The comp plan has probably four different elements. One is a base salary. The other is a commission, a percentage based on sale. The other one is bonus to drive specific behavior you know, go sell X of x of these new machines we have and I'll give you a bonus. Mm-hmm. That helps to focus and drive people. And then you look at the level of expertise of your reps and you take these components and you build a, 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 a page that is both profitable for the company and inspirational for the rep. Now here's, I'll, I'll leave, I'll finish with this. There's been a big change in the last 10 years with how reps are motivated. Yeah. Years ago, sales reps were all about the money. Yep. Money, 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 trips, toys, money. Yep. That's extrinsic. Now, many people, I'm guessing around your age, millennials and in, or, in and around that area, they're not all about the money. Oh, they need to make money and they want to make money. but they want to work at a cool place they want their opinion they want to be able to provide their opinion and be involved in decisions Mm -hmm. they want to see some growth that's not that's not all about a big fat compensation plan you know so companies today have to be really smart and create a comp plan that delivers intrinsic value as well as monetary
0: I love that. I love that. It's true. It's true. Things have definitely shifted. Um, We all still want to make money, but how we go about it in the process is definitely different, you know, and um, I think it's evolved for hopefully less stress. If there's salespeople in the right area and and they're in the right and they're in a really good um, industry where they feel like they're actually helping and serving people, hopefully that will take some of the pressure off. And maybe you don't make as much, but you're doing what you love. and, And maybe that's the win you know, which I think yeah. is also just, just as important, right?
1: Yeah, and, and more and more millennials are focused on mastery. They hmm. want to be mentored by someone that they respect, and they want to grow. That's
0: a good point. That's
1: a great points. Dwayne,
0: yeah. yeah, man, I mean, um, i have learning a lot from you here. I mean, one, the mastery point is definitely tr- very true. Cause you're right. There's a saying out there: people don't leave companies; they leave managers, right? And That's it, true. You know, and if you're with bad management or someone that you just don't jive with, then things kind of get thrown off, and you're ready to leave.
1: <laughs> well, well, Dwayne. All right. Hey, so- you, want, you want? Hey, before we leave, you want to hear a really cool quote? Absolutely. We got a good book here. Um, you know, Lao. So this is interesting. The master of the art of living makes little distinction between his work and his play, Hmm. his labor and his leisure, his mind and his body, his education and his recreation, his love and his religion. He simply pursues his vision of excellence in whatever he does leaving others to decide whether he is working or playing to him he is always doing both
0: is that cool i love that quote so all right tell us the book and tell us like who's the author and everything because yeah i I love that quote
1: this is this is in jack daly's book hyper sales jack daly is amazing and that is a very old one from Lao Tzu, L-A-O-T-Z-U. Mm-hmm. I, I, am I saying it right? Lao Tzu? I,
0: I'm pretty sure, yeah. He's with the Art of War, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I think so, yeah.
1: I think you're right. Yeah.
0: That's really yeah. cool. And I like the, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I love that quote because you're right. There's very there's very little difference between how this should be. What you're optimizing life right? It it's not
1: easy though, right?
0: Oh man, man, it's not easy. <laughs> so Dwayne, yeah. this has been great having you on, but you have to tell everybody how to find you and any other projects or any other activities that people might be interested in coming up.
1: Well, you can go to my website, it's cashinsales.com. And um my email is Dwayne at cashandsales.com, and if I can help anyone, uh, I hope
0: they'll uh, help. Awesome, awesome, and and so you know what, please uh, go to his LinkedIn page as well, I'll have that in the whole show notes, that's how we linked up, I believe, on like LinkedIn, and yes. Cash and Sales, I mean, I can't think of a better name <laughs> for sales, besides <laughs> yeah. Cash and yeah. it in. <laughs> so the yeah. way, this has been a great. People,
1: a lot of people will go, hey, is that your real name, or do you make that up?
0: Yeah, 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 I mean. it's my real name. It's perfect. It's perfect, man. So you're obviously doing what you were like meant to do. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Well, Dwayne, thank you again so much for coming on that on the actual podcast.
1: My pleasure, Joe. Really enjoyed being with you. You take care.
0: You as well. Boom.